Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races at Kentucky Downs on Wednesday, September 14th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in Brooklyn, not in the bunker. I'm actually in my bedroom. It's a long story. Ask me over a beer sometime about my wrestling with technology this morning, but we managed to get through it eventually, and I'm glad that we did because we've got a great uh, team to talk us through this late pick five at Kentucky Downs today. And we will start with a woman you've been watching on your Kentucky Downs simulcasting feed all meet long. She's a broadcasting legend. I'd read her resume, but it would take the rest of the show. An alphabet soup of uh, television networks for whom she's worked. One of the most uh, respected and talented broadcasters in the business. Kate and Bradar, how are things? Oh, it's great. The sun is shining. We're happy to be here and... uh... Preparing for uh, nighttime breaking because we're racing daylight as well as the races themselves at Kentucky Downs. That's right. As we get into this later part of the meet, it, it start you know it goes from summer to fall pretty quick uh, down that way. We also have joining us someone I'm very happy to say has become a regular on these uh, in the money media airwaves. You watch the fantastic work she did all meet long at Colonial. You're going to be seeing her on your simulcast feeds in just a couple weeks' time, working the Pennsylvania Derby card as well. She is Jessica Paquette. Jessica, what's going on? You know, just a glorious day here in New England. It is certainly becoming fall and a great day racing up ahead at Kentucky Downs. You have a very long resume as well, and now you can <laughs> add therapist, technology therapist to it as you were talking me through the various uh, hurdles I was I was jumping over. So I thank you for that. I still have a ways to go to catch up to Caitlin, but uh, you know I'll add that one to the resume. Caitlin, <laughs> before we dive in to this late pick five, I just wanted to get some thoughts generally from you on the Kentucky Downs meet, which seems to have been a big success. Some 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 weather issues along the way, but you guys just soldiered through them with a plum in the end of the day. Well, you know that's the nature of it here um, with only the one course and it being a compressed meet as far as the time frame that we work in you're always going to have that kind of um, have, having to call audibles. But it's been a great meet. I mean, we had a, a, a record day on our Super Saturday um, with a handle of over $21 million. And I think that the best part of this is, though, you've got the familiar faces, the Mike Makers and the Wesley Wards. We've seen uh, new trainers coming on board, and we've seen, and I know this is not news to Jessica, but um, – kind of the emergence of the impact of Colonial Downs on this meet. And that, for me, has been really a lot of fun to watch because I think rather than it being the mega stables that we always expect winning, you're seeing some of the smaller barns or the barns that do equally exceptional work with their horses but that maybe don't get the notice or the credit because they haven't necessarily been scoring in these big purse type of situations that up till now. And you know, you see Kelsey Danner yesterday um, having another win and just having a sensational meet. But generally, the most productive meet has been Colonial Downs leading into Kentucky Downs. And I think that's a little bit of a new twist on this meet overall. But it's, to me, an emphasis on quality turf racing overall. And I'd love to see it. Let me bring you back in, Jessica, to comment on that any performances in particular, any horses or, or, or horsemen you've been particularly impressed by with what they've accomplished at Kentucky Downs, who you were covering down there at Colonial? It's just so fun to see these horses that we got to see at Colonial Downs really hold up their form. I was thrilled for Kelsey, Kelsey Danner yesterday with uh, Downs Macabre, who I think is going to be a 
real deal, really nice horse. There are a couple of horses in today's card that also came out of Colonial Downs with their last race, and I think they're going to run very well. It's just the past couple of seasons at Colonial, we've gotten to see these horses, especially youngsters, kind of go on to bigger and broader things from starting at Colonial, and that trend is continuing. Let's hope uh, the people, the right folks out there are noticing and the, the future of Colonial Downs is going to be bright because I do think it does occupy an important space in the racing calendar and it's a meet that I really enjoyed following this year as well. Let's dive into this late pick five. We're going to start with race number eight, 523 Eastern, the scheduled post time for this one. We've got an allowance race going six and a half on the turf and Caton will ask you first and foremost, how are we going to light this candle in the late pick five? Well, let me just say that um, scratches today are going to be extremely impactful because you've got a number of horses who are um, who ran earlier even in the week, and I don't know that they're going to run back on short rest. And you've got, um, you know, kind of this always happens in the last couple of days, especially when we've had the, the cancellation and the scramble with the moving of cards. But um, that said, um, in the late pick five, I'm going to tell you, I, I think you want a little coverage in – in this leg in particular, um, there's a couple horses. The one, Evan Singh, I think it's going to be very tough. Um, kind of a make-his-own-luck type of a horse as far as he has some tactical speed, but he can also sit back off the pace. Um, I love that he draws the rail because that um, has been kind of a golden path lately, and it allows the jocks to kind of pick and choose where they want to be if they have any tactical speed at all. So. Um, Evan's thing is interesting. There's going to be a lot of support, I think, for Wesley Ward's um, or excuse me, Kathy Joseph's horse, uh, Max K.O., coming back um, for the second time of the meet. He scored an allowance company. Now he's in for the claiming tag. But I like the fresh horses versus those horses that are running back on short rest. They, I don't blame the trainers for giving it a shot, but it's very rare that you have horses on this course that can come back like that. So, um I like the one, Evan Singh. I thought the six, Cloudy, was an improving sort. He'd have to run better than he's ever run, but I think he's sitting on a really big effort. And Lyrical Poet is going to probably lead the way, but I'm a little, people are going to say it's a speed-favoring course. I, I haven't, it's a fast course right now. It's playing very quick because it's firm and it's in great shape. But I saw horses make nice rallies, so I'm not committed to having to go with the speed horses, but... If by this point in the card we see that speed is really prevalent, then the seven lyrical poet is going to be um, a must-use type of horse. That's interesting. You think it might be more of a product of fast and a good inside as opposed to specifically speed favoring, and there'd obviously be a Venn diagram between those two scenarios, but maybe some people are going a little bit overboard with the speed thing. Am I reading that right? Yes, and I mean, I think it's different than it was Saturday. Now, Saturday, I will tell you, that's the first day we took the rail down. And I, I think it was very, very firm with no rain at all leading up into that point. And then it was really difficult if you weren't like in that first tier of horses. And, and speed horses, even horses that I thought really ran too fast, were kind of around for the finish, even if they didn't win. But I didn't think that that was necessarily the case yesterday. I thought it was a very formful racing. And yes, I think the inside paths are great. And I think all things being equal, on a, on a firm course that is fast, if you have fast horses, they're going to run well. But I don't think that means you have to be on the lead to win. Jessica, let's get your thought on race eight. 
I, I agree with a lot of Caitlin's points, and I do think lyrical poet, kind of depending on how the track is continuing to play, is an important game time decision if you're making a pick five ticket kind of later in the day. One horse I believe I put on all tickets is number five, Sanctified. I understand I'm a colonial downtomer. Uh, but I think this one is a little bit interesting coming in third start off of a bit of a layoff versus Sidham Barn. The thing with this barn I saw all summer, the horses do. They don't rush them. They need a race or two back to really perform their best. And this one's one, two in a row despite that against some pretty solid fields by the Seashore, who we beat last time out. Really legitimate horse. Breakwater, two back, also came back to win. Another thing about this horse that I, I really, one of my, one of the things I enjoyed most handicapping is physical handicapping. You know, does their body indicate that they want to do this job? And sometimes that goes against what their pedigree says. To me, this is a horse that's bred to run all day, two turns, the longer they ride the races. But looking at him in person, he has such a sprinter body type, um, kind of short couple, big, strong hind end. I think the slightly added distance here, getting six and a half instead of five and a half, will be just what he needs. So five and seven, the numbers you're looking to focus on, depending on how the course is playing. Anything else you wanted to nominate for potential inclusion? I think number one, Evan Singh, is a must-use. Excellent. Evan Singh, the top pick from Caton, also will be on Jessica's tickets in race number eight. Let's talk about the stakes action we've got going in race number nine. It's the Kentucky Downs Juvenile Mile, obviously going a mile on the turf with 500000 in the pot. Jessica, we'll keep it with you. Number two, really good. Uh, may just be that. He's, uh, this is the horse, I think, has a very bright future. That maiden win at Saratoga was very sharp. Every time I see a hard fun offspring, I am more grateful that this horse is contributing to the breed. They are just big, good-looking, good-boned, good-minded, kind of just athletes, however you swing it. And this one, I think, will just keep getting better as he gets a little bit older. Uh, I, I like him quite a bit. I also like number nine, Labor, coming up to George Arnold. Um uh, Interesting note here, the Dan Center Court has another offspring running later in the card, which is just one of those you know, neat things you don't see all that often, um, the offspring of a Dan running in consecutive or different races on the card. Center Court's been such a good producer with and all those great yeah. tennis-themed names as well, Laver and Navratilova et al. Uh, Kate, let's get your thought on this uh, juvenile stake. I, I echo Jessica's thoughts on this too, really good. I was very impressed. He he rallied into a very slow pace and made it pretty easy. Um, and I I think the fact that now we get the meets leader with Tyler Gaplione, not that any number of riders couldn't um, ride a, a nice horse like this, but, um, you know, it's kind of been money in the bank almost with Mike Maker and Gaplione. Um Inside post position, too, works really well for this guy. So um, I, I just think he's probably the best horse in the race. Um, the horse I was a little intrigued with is the 10 Mikey Bananas, who's never had a chance to run on turf. He's by Constitution, and the Constitutions overall have um, surprised me a little as to how they take to this course, um, but they've run super well. And the fact, and I do put a lot of emphasis on trainers going to certain jockeys um, I just think that it speaks to them believing that they really have this horse that has a big shot. And Mikey Bananas coming out of Stakes Company at Woodbine um, picked up Irata Ortiz. So I thought that Tim Ham was able to attract one of, one of the top riders, and you knew going in that that was going to be the case. That spoke to maybe Mikey Bananas' potential. Let's move on to the hinge of this late pick five. Race number 10, more stakes action with the Pepsi Gunrunner Stakes going a mile on the turf. Caton, who's your idea of the winner? 
Oh, this race is so tough. I'm assuming that Stitch is not running since he ran in the um, Franklin system. If he does run back on short rest, I've got to take a good hard look at him because um, I, I think he's the best horse in the race. But I, I kind of think he's coming out. And um, that that opens the race up a lot. The uh, the six, um, Forza Ventura, um, I think I'm going to lean toward when all is said and done, although I'm going back and forth with the nine Fort Washington. Fort Washington, I think, comes out of the lesser competition, but might be the horse that's just getting good at the right time, and he's training super. Um, he's by Warfront. Um, I was, you know, it wasn't a big field or a top field that he beat in the tail of the cat at big odds, but it was more the way he did it and the fact that I thought it was sort of a breakthrough race for him. And the fact that um, he's gone farther and gets to go back to a mile makes me like him. I, that is the key angle for me, horses that have shown that they can run just a little farther well than whatever the distance is here. We've definitely seen the cutback play very well on this testing course at Kentucky Downs. The McGahee runners seem to be running pretty well. And I really like that last run from Fort Washington, making that move into what I thought was the fastest part of the race. So, yeah, that, that that's one that kind of leaps off the page to me as well. Jessica, how do you see this one? I think this is one of the tougher legs of the sequence, and I'm in agreement on Fort Washington. Coming in off of, again, maybe it was slightly lesser company, but portfolio, portfolio company can run a little bit. And I like the way this horse won. You also have to look at that work at it. looks like this horse really sitting on a big effort, kind of coming into this training really forwardly. I'm a little intrigued by the six here that is Fuerte Venture for Jonathan Thomas. Coming in off of a solid effort, galloped out well in Saranac State Saratoga. Um, I, that was his first start back on turf after running on synthetics at Woodbine. His turf form has been much better. And this is one that I just think should really appreciate the distance. That's an interesting point. That was almost like a whole other race in that race, the race for second with as much as Annapolis had in hand late. And, and Who is so good. Yeah, he's an impressive horse. Very interested to see what, what we get from him next. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see that ending up being a, a key form line for sure. Let's talk about our third stakes race of the card, the Pepsi One Dreamer Stakes. Now we're going a mile and 70 on the turf. Jessica, you mentioned uh, the last leg being one of the trickier legs of the sequence. How strong is your opinion on this one? I'm taking some swings here. I am, I'm taking a few swings. I think we this approve. could be sort of a long shot. This race is right for a long shot. Number five, you like this. Coming in with that strong colonial form, Ignacio Creus had a very strong meet. Sean Noe gave a great ride last time out. I really liked this effort. Clearly, this is a mare that has some ability, has had some bumps in the road. There's you know, plenty of gaps in her past performances. But when she's right, I think she's as good as any of them in this field. And off of that last race, I really liked that effort. I'm also a little intrigued by number seven, Alms, who did everything right except get the win last time out. And the filly that beat her, idea of all of the horses I saw at Colonial this summer, she may be the one I think has the brightest future. I was so impressed by this mare. I was so impressed by this win, and this race has already been flattered. And Hari has come back to win since then. And Debbie has one put in your stable mail and watch her next time she runs. I think she'll probably run a Keeneland. She's a really nice mare. Give me the numerical recap of the picks in that one, Jess. The 5-7, and I'm going to throw the 8 in there as well as the E-selection. And we alluded to Navratilova before. It doesn't look out of it on numbers, but obviously not, not in your main picks. But would, would you be surprised to see her run well? 
I think going back to the point Kate made earlier about paying attention to how the track is playing, I think it, it really is a truly speed favorite track. Um, she becomes a little more appealing. Kate, let's get your thoughts on this race. I, I'm, I'm first going to mention Abitaloba because um, she wouldn't surprise me, but I'm also not using her necessarily be, unless I see a pronounced speed bias. But even with that in mind, I really thought in watching her in the Music City last year um, that she wasn't comfortable when she came into the paddock. She was just a little bit um, edgier and kind of, you know, just didn't settle like you like to see. And I'm I'm wondering if it's a product of shipping in. You know, that is something that kind of you have to do some guesswork for and take a leap of faith as to how horses are going to adapt to the situation. But... Um, you know, on talent, she's very good, but I just don't know if this is the right course for her, um, ideally, although she is coming in much differently than last year. I'm, I'm also taking a shot, but, um, and I have no idea what the price is going to be on the 12, justify my love. But, you know, this is an interesting condition with the one dreamer being limited to horses who, fillies who haven't won a squeak stick or stakes race this year. Um, but if you look back, she was a stakes winner last year and overseas. And the horses that performed well in France, in Ireland, in overseas have done very, very well this meet. Um, they seem to adjust pretty well. I like that combined with the fact that she uh, has had, or excuse me, Justify My Love, I should say, in Argentina, but the, with the foreign pedigrees have adjusted. Predatory is also a horse that I'm looking at a lot. But um, Justify My Love... First time in the United States for Paula Lobo is, um, I think, the closest to a stakes winner um, as far as top company. And second in a group one, I know that that's hard to correlate to this country, but I think that the endurance is there, the fact that she ran well from a mile to a mile and a quarter, and the fact that Paula Lobo kind of excels in these types of situations makes her, I'm going to just jump out there and put her on top and be eager to look at her in the paddock. I also thought the 11 credit core um, was going to be a price, and that's a rare situation. The caveat with that is that Mott Torches, is, they just haven't really necessarily excelled at this meet, and that is not anything different from years past. I say it every year, but there are trainers that point for this meet, that bring their very best horses, and they just have a comfort zone here, like Mike, Mike, Mike Maker, like Wesley Ward, like Kenny McPeak, actually. But um, that isn't the case with Bill Mott. That isn't the case with Brad Cox. That isn't the case with a lot of very powerful stables that typically get that. So um, Brad does have a horse in here, Bernie Ambition, that I think could run well. But, again, I'm not going to take what will probably be a shorter price than it should be, um, although she wouldn't shock me if she runs a big race here. That, to me, is the key way of looking at it without those kind of uh, trainer angles, trainer stats even. It all comes down to price. If they're going to catch too much money, based on the connection, I, I think it's probably right to spin them, and then I'd be more forgiving of those kind of things with a runner like um, Petrichor, who I do think is going to be a much bigger price if you're talking about the decision of whether to include or not in picks. And I think you make a great point about Justify My Love. It becomes sort of an in-lobo-we-trust situation based on the the meat that, that he's had, even off that long layoff. Uh, th there's enough on form and enough with the trainer that I, I would definitely be inclined to to keep all those runners you guys mentioned on side as we wrap the stakes portion of the card and we get to our nightcap 
Race number 12, 7.39. That really will be racing the daylight. I didn't realize how literal you were being there, Kate, when you mentioned that earlier. These two-year-old fillies will be rushing to post to run a mile. Um, Kate, we'll ask you the key question. How are we going to get paid in this late pick five? Uh, yeah, that is the key question. Um, I So I at the end of the day, if I have about three or four horses in these maiden races that I really like, which is pretty much every single time, I'm going to look at their – their pedigrees and even as simple as the the Tomlinson numbers and who are the horses that as far as distance as well as um, pedigree combined with uh, anything else that goes in there um, that rate and the nine Destine to Dance is a daughter of Cairo Prince out of a city zip mare and she has a race it was on the dirt but I think she can improve on the turf um, she made I thought a little bit of a premature move she was sort of forced to in a race at Ellis on the dirt, or she might have won that day. And now you get Brian Hernandez on the grass for Kenny McTeague. So, and I think she's going to be a big prize. So I'm using her, the eight. And then I thought the nine was sort of a logical horse. Again, the maybe beaten favorite in that debut, but the fact that she had that race, and I think more distance really suits for Arno Delacour. Um, you know, here's, here's another dilemma. We talked about trainers, but, um, Joel Rosario has dominated at this meet in the past, and he gets overbet, in my opinion, for <laughs> anything he's on. Um, and, of course, you're having one of the top Zaki agents in the nation who does an exceptional job getting in live mounts. But, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily always translate to, to wins, and especially at Kentucky Downs, where horses may not like the course or whatever. So there's a shot that the nine maybe goat is going to get overbet. He's going to be a horse that, as far as, betting on I'm going to watch to see what happens on the board because I think he's definitely on numbers maybe the fastest source in the race but I think he has a shot to get over bet probably one to look to keep on side in the pick five where possible and yeah I'm glad you mentioned the eight runner destined to race because we've talked so many times on the shows about the excellent numbers Ken McPeak has with juveniles especially going a mile or farther on the grass. So that's definitely another one to keep on side. Jessica, we'll bring you in. I'm curious specifically, Kate did not talk about Letter of Gold, who I would imagine is going to be the favorite here based on uh, going so close in that maiden race at, at Saratoga. Are you with or against Jessica Letter of Gold? Only loosely with. Um, this is a horse I'll include if my ticket is otherwise conservatively enough price that it doesn't really blow it up. I don't love this horse by any stretch. I think there's some more interesting runners here. My top selection is number 11, self-confident, a debut runner for Shug, coming in with some cool pedigree. Dan is a half to Imagining, who unfortunately the Mid-Atlantic community just lost to the Stallion. She's been a nice black type of producer already. And I think being by into mischief, this is a filly that has maybe a little more precocity than some of her siblings. Steady work tab checks a lot of boxes for me in that way. I also agree with Keaton on number nine, maybe go. The added distance, I think, is just what this Philly needs. Showed more than enough ability well back that day, so seemingly someone liked her. And I think yeah, the stretch out. But again, the point with Joelle Rosario, maybe over best. But I think that Philly can hold her own here. I'm also a little, little bit intrigued by. Uh, Hold on, lost my notes. There we go. <laughs> that happens all the Cat, time. We are catching up here. It's a long morning. Uh, number 10, Revenue Train, coming in for Maker, second start for Maker. Going to the turf for the first time. I just wonder if this one moves up a bit on the grass. All right, great stuff, team. Really appreciate it. 
Kate, any closing thought for uh, folks about this day at Kentucky Downs or the Kentucky Downs meet in general? I've been so fun covering uh, every day for the first time. I, I, I'd, I'd love to put a little bow on it. Oh, well, you know, again, I, I think that you follow the patterns that you've seen all meet long and look for the opportunities because even though, you know, Mike Maker set a new record and truly has been – you know, on fire from start to finish, as could be expected, you still get horses that pay really decent prices. Um, even in the first race, I, I'm thinking, you know, there's a horse that is Tyler Gaffleone, Mike Maker, 8-1 to one in the morning line, it won't be 8-1, to one, but because Mike has another horse in there and because the field is big um, and I read or cheese rides the horse that seems more logical, people completely forget about the other horse. So, um, you know, follow the patterns and look for the opportunities. Um, when you can get a favorite that you like at three to one, four to one, five to one, which happened yesterday with two horses that went off five to one or better that I thought would really be standouts, um, that is, is something you don't get at any other meet. No, so that's, that's where I say, that's what's the beauty of Kentucky Downs. One of the things that makes the place unique, I had such a great time visiting can't wait to get back jessica have you have you been to kentucky downs before i am not it's very much on my list yeah well we might have to do a little it's in, my kind of racetrack yeah we'll do an in the money field trip next year maybe we might have to make that uh make that magic happen all right jessica Caton, want to thank you guys both so much we'll thank the whole team at kentucky downs for uh sponsoring all this extra content as well as our friends at the betmakers slash global tote who've been a joy to work with as well. Going to be hearing a lot more about them and specifically fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos!